Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Travis Yonker. The episode that you're about to hear is completely different from what we normally do on The Yarn. Colby had the idea to do a year in review episode where we talk about some things that happened in 2018. So we put together a Google Doc with some different categories, things we wanted to talk about. We called each other on the phone, turned on our mics, and got talking. Normally, in an episode, you barely ever hear from Colby and I. In this episode, it's all that you'll hear. <laughs> I hope that you like it, and it was fun looking back at the year that was. I want you to just set the scene. Like, where, where are you? What's, what's happening right now? What's, go- what's going on at this moment for you? It's the first day of winter break. My wonderful wife, Elena, has taken our two daughters to Claire, Michigan, to spend the weekend with her grandmother, my children's great-grandmother. Wow. I am, I am upstairs on our third floor in my daughter's closet. <laughs> I am, it is the messiest space in our house. Um, uh-huh. Downstairs in our living room are three middle school boys. My son and his two best friends are downstairs playing Mario Smash something, the new game uh, for the Switch, and uh-huh. create and creating comics. Wow, that's I'm cool. hoping I'm hoping that my three and one year old are sleep. My four and one year old are sleeping. <laughs> I laid them down, and fingers are crossed. Oh How about you, gosh. Travis? What exp- describe wow. your Zealand scene? Yeah, that's a lot going on. Thank you for uh, taking time out to do this. Um, I'm in a closet as well. We know, we know after doing a podcast for a while that the best acoustics are in the closet. So I'm in, I'm in a closet. Uh, I have my, my microphone set up. I brought in a table so that I could set my glass of wine on top of it. And my kids are just in bed and going to sleep right now. Nice. And and can you just talk a little bit about what the kind of goal of this episode is? Um, so we're going to do a year in review. I like it when you sent me the Google Doc. You said um, you, the Google Doc was first annual year in y- the yarn year in review. Uh, I thought that was a pretty gutsy move, but but I like it. Um, so we're just going to talk about some of the best things of the year, the things in children's books that we liked, things that stood out, the things that we loved. I didn't realize until recently that what this is, what we're about to do right now is called a brocast. Have you heard this term? I have not. You haven't? This is a bro. No. We're doing, we are doing a brocast right now. This is a brocast. It's when two dudes, <laughs> it's when two dudes turn on the mic and they start talking to each other about a topic that they're interested in. I didn't know about this until fairly recently, but yeah, thank I you. Feel- th- thank you for describing it. It kind of is self-explanatory. <laughs> so so I feel like I feel like we can do one of these because all of our other ones are so unbrocasty. You know? Yeah, we're we're basically only in the intro and outro in just about every episode. Right. We're like un it's like the unbrocast most of the time. So Yes. So let's kick off this brocast with a topic <laughs> uh near and dear to your heart, favorite yeah. picture book. What is your favorite picture book of twenty eighteen, Travis Yonker? Yes. So we're going to go through a whole bunch of categories here. Yes, favorite picture book. Um, Let me say in advance that I'm probably going to like mess up 
some names. You know, do you think you're gonna mess up some names? I don't know. I always mess up names and stuff. So I think that kinda... I think that's I think that's fair. And I think we usually go heavy, heavily edited episodes. <laughs> and I think we're going no editing for this. <laughs> Yeah, so so we're flying by the seat of our pants here. So I apologize in advance. If I say somebody's name wrong, I apologize. And I understand. People, I get a lot of pronunciations on my last name, so I know how that goes. And I understand, and I apologize in advance. Okay, so my favorite picture book of the year is one that I just read 27 times with classes uh, in the past couple weeks. And it was a surprise to me when I was sitting down. I looked at your Google Doc and I was looking at that question. And it kind of took me by surprise. But They Say Blue by Jillian Tamaki, I think is my favorite picture book of the year. And it totally grew on me as the year went along. It really grew on me once I started reading it with kids. Um, I think it's like an amazing masterpiece of a picture book. It's really cool. I think it's such a cool follow-up too. Um, like, you know, Jillian Tamaki won, won a Caldecott honor for this one summer. And this is her very first picture book. So it's, it's kind of nuts. It's like she already won a Caldecott. She hasn't made a picture book yet, though. Um, and so this one is just like, like the, the artwork is really like it kind of looks like artwork. And I mean this in like the highest possible uh, compliment. It's like, it kind of looks like artwork of someone who is sort of new to picture books and like trying stuff, which I think is amazing because it's sort of like this fresh perspective and the, the text is like really simple, but it's like really um, like in the, it really kind of gets inside of a, of a kid's head. Like I wasn't sure how it was going to play with kids and uh it, it has this sort of like, it like it kind of meanders, but in like a good way, it kind of just goes from one scene to the next. But, and I wasn't sure how kids were going to respond to that, but kids were right there. Like they were right there engaged, wondering what was going to happen. And I think through that pro whole per, reading it over and over process, like I really grew to love that book. I, I think it's incredible. Have you read that one? Yeah. I remember reading it and instantly thinking call the cop when I read it in the spring. Really? Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is, I wonder what's going to happen with this book. Now, you yeah. are a, a kindergarten through fifth grade librarian. Kindergarten through fourth grade, yes. Kindergarten through fourth grade librarian. Was there a grade that liked it the most? Ooh. Um, I'm trying to think right now if, like, older kids or, or younger kids liked it more. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have that perspective. I, I'm reading aloud to fifth graders, always to fifth graders. So it's right, interesting. Right. I'm curious to know, like, did the first graders like it differently than the third graders? Just, just curious. Um, or was there, maybe there was no noticeable difference. To be honest, there was like, there was kind of no noticeable difference. Like everyone was just kind of like, what's going to happen next in this book? Like it starts off and, and like, she's talking about the water and then she goes and she starts talking about blood moving around inside your body. And then she goes and she turns and, and she's and she's floating on a boat on grass. And then she goes and she's um, she turns into a tree. And I think kids are just like, what what's going to happen here? What's what's going to happen next? Um, 
so there really, yeah, there wasn't like a, an age where it was like, wow, that one really hit home with that age, which is kind of unique because for a lot mm-hmm. of the books that picture books that I read with kids, especially when I read one, like with a lot of different ages, there's, it's, a, it's very clear, like, oh, this one works with older kids or this one works with younger kids. But that one, that one kind of didn't, which is unique. Okay. Yeah, I have one um, more. I have one more question for you. Oh yeah. So as someone who like enjoys sports, like I know, like after, you know, <laughs> Like like practicing basketball for twenty six straight days. By day twenty seven, I am like way better. Do you feel yeah. like your your game, your read aloud game, improves over the course of twenty seven readings, or are you just done yeah. by the end? No, it gets it gets better. It gets better. Um, I'm trying to think of like what the optimal, probably like reading like fifteen through through twenty two. Those are probably the best ones. And then once you go, once you go from 22 to 27, then you're sort of on autopilot a little bit, you know, like you actually, you reach that point where you're able to think of other things as you're reading a book aloud. Um, But honestly, with They Say Blue, that never really happened. I never really hit that thinking of other things point. Um, And that's a sign of a good book, I think. So we could call, so let's say that each reading is like a half a year in an NBA career. (laughs) You would have to say like that like they say blue is like LeBron James, right? You're in like year 13 and a half. Mm, still and going the 27th strong. reading and you're still going strong. It's not like a, like a Dwayne Wade book where after like, <laughs> you know, two thirds, it's just like it falls off a cliff. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. In some books, some books definitely do. Some books are good for a couple reads and then they, and then they don't, they don't last. That's... I like this analogy. I love how there's going to be like one person out there who loves picture books and also loves the NBA besides us and is going to be listening to this right now and they're just going to be like all in on this conversation. I like this. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. And we won't be talking about, this is a Michigan reference, we won't be talking about any Darko picture books. No. No, no, no Darko. Th- those are like, that would be like, that would be like a picture book where it it has like a it's like really highly touted and highly like hyped up but then Uh, it just it's just not that i'm trying to think of one that would be like that i don't know i'm sure there's been over the course of time like some some picture books that have come out with like a big name big name author or something or maybe like i could see like a maybe that's like a no i was gonna say it's like a celebrity picture book but but darko was like not really known before he got drafted yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right, so so they they all saw blue. It's Travis's favorite picture book. For me, Travis, it was "We Don't Eat Our Classmates" by mm, Ryan T. Higgins. Yes, and it's just so funny. Uh, and when yeah. I I read it aloud to my students, I call them to the carpet, and I'm like, guys, gals, we've really been struggling with some things in school, and I'm really concerned. And this is gonna be one of those times where we read a picture book to to help us grow as people and help us solve a, a problem we're having in class. And and I right. share the title and we all laugh and, and because obviously we're not eating, eating each other in fifth grade. Um, but just a fun book, a funny book. I think Ryan Higgins is going to like these kids that we're teaching today. I feel like Ryan Higgins is going to be an author that they're going to, sh- they're going to share with their kids when they have kids. Like I can see them reading this book. I can see them reading mother Bruce uh, to kids in 20 years. Yeah. Um, that book is so funny. That book has my favorite. Uh, I love. What's the name of the? What's the fish's name? Can you remember that? No, I know Penelope. I believe is the is the is the, is girl. the girl. Yes, the fish. 
Whatever the goldfish is, that the goldfish is one of my favorite characters of the year. And the goldfish features prominently on the case cover, which is like mm. one of the funniest case covers of the year because you yeah. see like you see this straw like extending uh, onto the back of the book on the case cover, and you don't know where it's leading, and you see that it ends up leading to the the goldfish. It's like one final joke in a book that is hilarious already to begin with. Yeah, um, you have a favorite page turn of the year, Travis. Can you share that? Favorite page turn, yes. Um, I know that I'm forgetting something. When I was sitting down to write this today, I was like, I know that I know that there are things that I'm forgetting. But the one that jumped out at me first, the first one that I thought of, was in the book Stumpkin. Have you read Stumpkin? I have not. Oh, Stumpkin's good. Um, and Stumpkin has this page turn where um, Lucy Stumpkin's by uh, Lucy Ruth Cummings. She's the author and illustrator. And so there's this, uh, there's this pumpkin that really wants to be a jack-o'-lantern. And you kind of think like all is lost towards the end of the book. Like this, it's not going to happen for this pumpkin that doesn't have a stem. And then there's like this dramatic page turn where everything goes black. And then you turn the page again and there's one triangle on the page. And then you turn the page again and there's two triangles on the page. And you kind of slowly start to realize, oh, the Stumpkin is actually getting carved into a jack-o'-lantern. And that's what's happening here. And it's just sort of like like the most dramatic way of showing that that is happening to the, to the character that, you know, over the course of the book, you've been like hoping things work mm-hmm. out well for. So I thought that that was just like a really inventive way uh, of showing that and yeah when i first thought of page turns this year like that was the first one that jumped out at me so yeah, and i think well that's done. the key like what jumps out what do you remember because for me my all-time right. favorite page turn is in uh, patrick mcdonald's me jane yes like when you go from jane yes. in the in the out, out there doing her thing and then you turn yep. it and there's the actual picture of jane goodall i think that's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in a picture book. Um, yeah. I skipped a question. I skipped a question, Travis. And I think that's why I threw you off a little there. I felt you pause. I felt, I felt your little <laughs> pause. So I'm going to go back to uh, you the, know me. the question that was supposed to be to you. I know you like to be prepared. Wait, wait. Well, what about, what about your page turn? Do you want oh, to talk yes. about your page turn? My favorite page turn um, was um, in Min and Dan's uh, Drawn Together. Drawn Together. And when you go, yeah. And, I don't remember the line, but you do because we talked about this before we hit record. What's that line, Travis, before this page turn? I think it's the line where um, so the the boy has taken out his crayons and stuff and he's coloring a picture. And then that gives the grandpa the idea to take out his brushes and his ink and he starts painting with those. And I think it says something like, in a flash, we see each other for the first time. And that's when you, uh, the in a flash is when you turn the page and then we see each other for the first time, I think is on the following page. Um, what do you, what do you like about that page turn? I I agree with you. I just feel like it's extremely dramatic and it just happens at the perfect point in the book. I'm really curious to just what men would say about that. Like, did he envision something like that at that page turn or did he like, you just wonder what he sees because Dan obviously gets the text and I don't know how closely they worked on that sort of thing. I think, you know, when it's, you're working with Dan Santat, I'm guessing he kind of just does whatever he wants because he is brilliant and has earned that right. So I'm just curious what, or, or what that was like for men to 
you yeah. experience it for the first time uh, reading yeah. the, the book. Yeah. So when you turn the page, you see like on the um, on the left side, you see the the boys illustration style and then on the right side you see like the grandpa's really detailed fine brush work style of, of art for the first time right mm-hmm. yeah it's beautiful i like how you just go min and dan on that book yeah, yeah. like what, what a children's literature insider you are well you know um <laughs> to the min i i i believe it's min lay Yes. Min Lay, yes. So I was I was stressed to say his last name, so I thought I would just try to uh. sneak by without saying it. <laughs> Moving on to the next uh, category here. Favorite middle grade novel of the year. I'll start. Yeah. Uh, Amal Unbound by Isha Saeed, which ah. is actually, there There will be an episode with her on, on the yarn coming up in the uh, winter, probably in January or February. Uh, it was exciting. a... It was a global read aloud selection this year. Uh, Perneal picked that book, and yep. I read it aloud to my students. It was amazing. Um, also, my third grade daughter, uh, Adelai, read it in class herself. Uh, her teacher, Mrs. Woolworth, has an Audible account. Uh, it's probably a book she would have struggled with reading on her own, but she was able to listen with her ears and follow along oh, cool. in the class copy. And just hearing her talk about that book every night. Um, we live in a very teeny tiny town of parma michigan which a lot of people have been to because of nerd camp but it's one blinking light it's 97 percent uh white people living there uh kind of lower middle class and I, I just love when books like that can take us somewhere else and really help us to see how different the world is for other people and the injustices that are happening out there i just think it's an unforgettable book and one that we'll be thinking about for a long time my favorite middle grade novel of the year was Louisiana's Way Home by Kate DiCamillo. Um, not a big shock there Kate, that Kate DiCamillo wrote a great book. Um, but I loved it. I think I loved it even more than, than Ramey Nightingale, the book that, um, you know, this is sort of like the companion or sequel to that book. Um, she just has the, Kate DiCamillo has this way of writing where, it's so straightforward and to the point, but it is so like packed with emotion. I don't know how she does it. I just, I have no idea. It's, it's like, it's like this magic trick where it's so simple yet. It's like holding so much inside. Um, and that's a book that I just, I loved and I hope that, um, everybody gets a chance to read this year. And she does such a great job with the other character, with not just with the main character, but I thought Granny is such a, such an interesting yes. and fascinating. And all three of the Burke Allens, I think Burke Allen was one of her, her greatest triumphs of a minor character. <laughs> I know yes. she's writing a, a third book in the series. She's going to yes. she's, um But I would, I want a Burke Allen book. Like I just need more Burke Ooh. Allen in my life. This so could be like a. This could be the start of like a whole like world for her. Well, she did it with. Uh, Mercy Watson. So, yep. I, I'm sure I'm, she's listening, Travis. Probably the first day this episode comes out. I'm sure. She, I'm sure in her house in Minnesota, she's probably <laughs> listening. So, Kate, get to work. Um, I love that Mercy Watson now is like is is just dominating like all all forms of children's books. Like 
we got the early reader. We've got those chapter books, the Tales of Deku Drive. Now in 2019, we have the picture book coming. Like I'm yeah. waiting for like the 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 gritty YA, Mercy yes. Watson. Yeah. The Mercy the Mercy Watson graphic novel. Um, just keep keep it coming with Mercy. And then the adult, and maybe an adult book where like Eugenia, <laughs> Eugenia meets a man. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's like the options are endless on that one. The, the um, options. S- speaking of the Mercy Watson graphic novel that has to happen, um, <laughs> what is your segue? What is your favorite graphic novel of the year? And I see that you've listed a few. Uh, for me, it's be be prepared. I think that that book was just so much fun. I loved reading it as much as my students, and I am a huge graphic novel fan. But mm-hmm. I would say rarely do I love a book, a graphic novel, as much as they do. And I just loved that book. I was fascinated by a r- Russian summer camp in the United States and what that was like. Uh, mm-hmm. I just loved it. I kept waiting for camp to get better, and it just never did. I loved that <laughs> as well. Uh, so, yeah, I love that book. What did you like about it? Um, I liked everything that you liked about it. I loved how it's like it's um, it's kind of bringing uh, – bringing you into the world of the author um vera brosgall i i love how it's like yeah like showing like what life was her like for her growing up um and all but it's also sort of universal in the idea of like summer camp and friendships and those kind of things Mm -hmm. um did you ever go to summer camp no and we send our kids to summer camp every year and i'm jealous how about you you? do yep Did, did your have your kids read the book uh, I don't think so. Oh I man. So. I should fix that. I should send they it. They probably love I that. I probably shouldn't let them read it. They've been to camp. <laughs> they've enjoyed it. The, uh, yeah. the outhouse in be prepared yes. is, is pretty traumatic. Yeah. You might mm-hmm. not want to want to show the, them that beforehand. Um, yeah. I thought that the artwork in this book also was like really stunning and it's crazy because like there's so many illustrations in a graphic novel and they're, they're, you know, oftentimes kind of tiny, but I was just like over and over again, I was like, Oh my gosh, like this so is capturing just like the woods and trees and just like the natural world. Uh, I think she did such a great job with that. Even in, um, like the, I love the, it's like a real simple, like one color, right. One color probably in the whole book. Um, but it's like used so well and it's just, it fits perfectly. Yeah, it's and a book. it's funny and it's like so true. I, I, this was a book where I literally um, just read through the whole thing all in one sitting. And I always feel bad about d- doing that for um, for graphic novels because I know that it takes the person like years and years of drawing and drawing over and over in the all these little panels. But I just couldn't help myself. A lot of times I'll like stop and be like, okay, I'm going to savor this book a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But that one I was just like, I got to keep going. Yeah. Um, I also I also really loved New Shoes by Sarah mm-hmm. Varon. She's so talented. Has, she is great. Anytime she has a new book, her books are like um, so unlike any other books out there. Um, and New Shoes is no exception. She did the book Robot Dreams. Maybe that's what she's best known for, um, which is just a fantastic, a fantastic book. I also really love Tiger versus Nightmare by Emily Tetri which was sort of like a graphic novel for younger readers. And it kind of, it put like a twist on the whole like monster on your, under your bed um, mm-hmm. thing where 
the 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 tigers is pals with the with the monster and and the monster actually wards off the night nightmares for the tiger um but that one was really really cool and kind of a unique a unique book too yeah uh so i like this question you added this in here travis favorite yeah. grown-up book favorite grown-up yeah. book that you read this year yes do you want me to go first yeah sure okay um Sometimes we read books for grown-ups. Sometimes. Not often, yes. but sometimes. Um, my favorite book that I read for grown-ups this year was Meet Me in the Bathroom, Rebirth and Rock and Roll in New York City, 2001 to 2011. <laughs> it's, by, it's by Lizzie Goodman. How's that for a subtitle? It's like pretty, pretty, pretty specific. <laughs> pretty specific. But if you liked any music that came out of New York City in those years, 2001 to 2011, there are, there's a good chance you would like this book. Uh, bands like Interpol or The Strokes or The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs or LCD Sound System or Franz Ferdinand or any of those bands that like kind of got big um, during that time. This is, it's an oral history book, which mm. is so much fun to read because it's just, they get all the people who were involved and they did an interview with them and then they piece it all together and um it's just fascinating uh and if you liked that music you will love it even more like hearing sort of like the behind the scenes of what was going on during that time period in new york city even it was kind of interesting to hear like about how the city was changing during that time like post 9 11 um but then also like the music itself so how about you what was your favorite grown-up book i read Educated by Tara Westover, which was a really popular memoir in 2018, and it's the story of a Mormon girl uh, who never attends school until she's 17, and she kind of lives on like the side of a mountain with her family, which they don't believe in medicine, they don't really believe in, they they try to live off wow. the grid, it's it's completely insane. Um, I actually listened to the audiobook, and it was so captivating that I read it from one in the morning till seven in the morning, driving home from <laughs> driving home from spring break while my oh, wow. six six family members slept. So it was able to allow us to knock a huge chunk out. Um, wow! So not not stopping to go to the bathroom, ran that full tank of gas, and just was completely just loved it. I actually gifted it to my father for his yeah. birthday, and he he hated it, and he loved everything. <laughs> He loves every, like, he'll read anything. If I had, like, leave any book, YA, middle grade, yeah. adult books, sport, he reads everything. But the dad in the book is such an awful person. Uh, it, was, it was really hard for my dad to to get through it, which was fascinating yeah. just because he loves everything. And this is the yeah. book that everyone's talking about. Um, but he, like, he'll read, like, a YA romance novel. Uh -huh. And he's, six, you know, he's 67 years old and will read anything and enjoy it. Um, <laughs> this book just couldn't get past that that character. C couldn't do it. Um, couldn't do it. L do you ever fantasize about living off the grid? Uh, my newest fantasy, my thing kind of similar to that is uh, living in a van, like with like, <laughs> uh, like van life. I've been watching YouTube videos on van life. Is, like is, that, a a YouTube, van. is that a YouTube channel? There's like tons of youtube channels on this like where people like you know fic do things to vans and make them so, so you have like all of your living like you just like drive all around the world in them so so but so just in general it's called van it's called van life and van then you life can, like, yeah wow I, yeah. I always i always um i appreciate a good a good like customized van 
Yeah, well, this uh, <laughs> the, the the one I like best is called Combi Life, and they take like an old VW Combi, and the guy it's like a five year trip. Uh, I just found it recently, so I've been kind of yeah. going back. But he goes from the very bottom of South America to oh wow the, Ar- the Arctic Circle. Uh, whoa, it's, whoa, it's crazy! It's crazy. Um, yeah. So, how about you? You want to live off the grid? <laughs> I do. I feel yes. Yes. I I think like sometimes I just feel like desert island would be pretty cool. All right. Well, if you, you know, disappear, we with... know where you've been. <laughs> we don't see you on Twitter. Yeah, me Tupac. Tupac knew, man. Wow, I like that. I like that. So the next one is probably our least uh enjoyable question that we have. Oh, okay. Um but we both put the same thing down. <clears throat> um and I think a lot of people really involved in children's literature would agree. Uh, Travis, what will 2018 children's literature be remembered for? Yeah, the first thing that came to mind was sort of the the idea of like the Me Too movement coming to children's books. I mean, that was that happened early, early on in 2018. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was like late January or early February. Um, you know, a, a lot, a whole lot of people had been had been talking about had been talking about. Um, you know, men who were were uh, behaving badly, I guess you want to say. Um, yeah. Um, uh, Anne Ursu helped to spread the word a whole lot with some of the work that she was doing and sort of gathering and um, organizing people's stories. But then it all kind of came to a head in a school library journal article. It was sort of an older school library journal article, and then um, then people started commenting. Mm-hmm. And just over the course of a few days, um, it had, you know, hundreds of people had commented and talking about experiences that they've had with men in the industry. And um, it was good to see, it, you know, it was um, and it really it really had an effect, too, on on those on those authors. And I think that it's it's a positive step in children's literature. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it was really sad. And really surprising. I know a lot of names were put in there um, that were involved in sexual harassment and sexual assault and very just, I don't know, you kind of like to think of this as being a world that's just separate from a lot of the things that are going on in the world that we yeah. hear on the news and yeah. and the things that are troubling that we see. Uh, it made me think of the, I mean, another basketball thing, but the old Michigan state basketball coach, his name was Judd Heathcote. And Mm -hmm. when he had Tom Izzo, who's the current Michigan state coach, uh, they were having some issues with some players and Tom was like super discouraged and just couldn't believe that it was happening. And Judd told Tom, what you have to understand is society's problems will always be basketball's problems. Like we're not immune to it. We're not separate from it. And I think, that really opened my eyes to, yes, society's problems are going to be here in children's literature and teaching here in education. And uh, I think maybe we were all kind of hoping and pretending that it wasn't. And mm-hmm. as awful as it was, it was good to to see, uh, I guess, some truth come out and good for people to, to be able to share that things and, and change happen. We had um, some authors were dropped by their agents, which yep. was quite a quite a big move and a necessary one and i think that uh, it's a start and hopefully we can 
put some things into place that prevent these things from happening. I know a lot of conferences have uh, outlined some sexual harassment and sexual assault policies that they're yeah. asking all creators to abide by. So I think it's helped move us in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those things where it's it's something that's been going on for a long time. Um, and this was one of those moments where it really got, it really kind of shook people and got their attention. People who uh, maybe hadn't been thinking about it or hadn't been aware or been oblivious or whatever. And that's a great thing. And yeah, like you're saying, like, here's just hoping that that's, you know, like uh, a positive step in a series of, of, of positive moves to come when it comes to that in children's books. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm glad that it had that I'm sad that it had to happen, but since those things are happening, I'm glad that it came out and that right. we can learn from it and hopefully yep. prevent, p- prevent people from being hurt in the future and taken advantage of. Yes. Uh, so on a lighter note, 2018 also brought some new creators into the world um, that we both, I believe, think will be making books for kids for a long time. So I have yep. an author and you have an illustrator. Yes. You want to go first? Yes. I have Kelly Yang, Front Desk, which if you have not read Front Desk, it needs to be at the top of your pile. You need to read it before you read anything else. It is a wonderful book. The characters are amazing. The story is captivating. And you also need to follow Kelly on social media because she is having so much fun. She loves books. She loves kids. She is just like, I don't know, it feels like she's like an athlete who all of a sudden got really good. And she's just like so happy on social media about it. And like kids are reading her book and she's just, she's just so much fun and so happy. And it doesn't feel like like self-promotion. It just feels like someone excited that people are loving her books. She's like the De'Aaron Fox of social media this year. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Sacramento Kings are actually like worth watching. Yeah. That's a big deal. So she's like, yeah, she's really like making a splash early. This is good. This is good. Yeah, she, yeah she's got like future. So like Fox, they're saying like future MVP. You're saying like, you know, with books, a lot of times we have those debut authors mm. who end up sticking around a long time, honored mm-hmm. by committees. Jennifer Holm, Kirby Larson, both won Newbery yeah. Honors with their first book. So yeah. this book is in a lot of uh, best book conversations. It's in a lot of Newbery talks. So yeah. excited, so you wouldn't be excited so- for her. You wouldn't be surprised um, to see some Newberry love for this book. I wouldn't be surprised at all, no. So I have a a favorite debut illustrator, and it's Jessica Love, who made Julian is a Mermaid. Um, She has, oh man, this is one of those times where I wish we could edit. She, She has a theater background. Do you, correct? Do you, are you familiar with her? I am not. Keep talking. Okay. Okay, I'm going to keep talking. The, I believe it's a theater background, and that's kind of where she's coming from. And that's so she's coming kind of from that world into the picture book world. Um, and that book is is just such a beautiful book, and in, in in a number of different ways, you know, in in what it's talking about in the in the story and also in the illustrations. Um, it has some of my favorite illustrations of the year in that book. Um, and so I'm just really, I, I think I'm joining in with a lot of other people in thinking that she has a, a very bright future when it comes to picture books coming up here. Yeah, and really quick while you were talking, she was a Broadway actress. 
Okay, and yes. And ba- a bachelor's in studio art. So. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. I knew that she had to kind of like, uh, she wasn't just coming to this. This wasn't her first gig, you know, like she was, she was coming from a different sort of world. So that's kind of cool to see too. Yeah. Uh, excited. It's exciting to see what comes from both of those creators in the future. I think that we'll be seeing a lot of them. I agree. What Colby, what do you think was the most impressive book that you saw this year? Okay, so I love this book. It's called, have you seen this, Travis? What's the difference? 40 plus pairs of the seemingly similar by Emma Strack. No. Have you seen that book? Okay, so it's from Chronicle. And basically it's just like two things that like everyone mixes up what they are and they're side by side and they like break it down for you and let you like finally know the difference between butter and margarine, crocodile and <laughs> alligators. And it's the art is beautiful. It's very like infographic-y, but it's not like too busy. It's just these really cool like circles and squares uh-huh. and text boxes. I love it. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, who can make butter, the difference between butter and margin look interesting? And they do it. <laughs> and they have, like, a lot of animal. Like, it's, like, broken up into different categories. There's, like, an animal one and where mm-hmm. you see, like, different types of owls and crocodile alligator and just telling mm-hmm. the difference between them. But, yeah, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful book. How about you? Um, my The most impressive book I saw this year was The Faithful Spy by John Hendricks. And it was the sort of book, like, I opened it up and I was flipping through it before I started reading it. And I was just kind of blown away by how, like, just the attention to detail, I guess. There's illustrations on every single page. There's there's distinct things happening with, like, the actual text on the page. It It's just like, I just, when I was reading through it, I was just like, how long did this take him to make and how many details did like he have to like worry about in this book to to pull it off and to make it look so nice um so that was the book that just really blew me away and i loved the book too by the way um so if you haven't read faithful spy i think you should and um yeah john hendricks that that was a super impressive move by him He's so talented, and I love his book covers, the book covers that he does for yeah, yeah. middle grade novels. Uh, like sometimes mm-hmm. I see a book cover, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love that so much. And so I'll try to figure out who did the cover, and it, oftentimes it is him. He did the cover for The Size of the Truth, which is Andrew Smith's middle grade debut. Yeah, uh, that's coming right. Out. And it's just so, it's so interesting. He did Ice Whale, which is just a gorgeous gorgeous cover so love his work and the faithful spy has been has been popular in my fifth with my fifth graders yeah yeah so you have a most unusual book yes this one i don't know if you've seen this one have you seen vacation by 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 blex blex i guess that's i guess that's how you say it um yeah it's it's a graphic novel it's uh, published by Enchanted Lion, and it's just like the strangest, m- most awesome graphic novel uh, that came out this year. It really like pushes the boundaries of what a graphic novel is, 
the way that it looks visually is unlike any other graphic novel that I've ever seen before. It, it, the way that it like, um, it, it, it shows time through, through panels and, um, and a lot of times not through panels. It does these really unique things where it's like one big illustration and like there's different things happening in each part, but it's showing the, over the course of time. Um, if you are into graphic novels, if you are into unique books that are kind of trying something different, definitely check out Vacation because uh, I just couldn't believe it when I was reading through it. It's a great book, but it's also just visually just a complete original. So that that one stood out for me. Cool. Um, yeah. So we're now getting into a little bit of... Uh, ALA talk, ALA Youth Media Award talk. And uh, we, I wanted to start off with what book do you would you be most surprised to see not win anything? And we have the same, we listed the same book. <laughs> the same, yeah, we have the same one, Dreamers by Juji Morales. Um, I would just be, I would be really surprised if nothing, if nothing happened for that book on the big, uh, you know, uh, youth media awards morning um that book too i feel like it, it it has a lot of cross um category potential because it's sort of a true story you know like like um a lot of a lot of end of the year best of lists are putting that in their nonfiction section which mm-hmm. i thought is interesting um so you know that mean that kind of opens things up a little bit for cybert as well as for caldecott and, you know, who knows, um, you know, poor Belpre, who knows what else, what other categories that could kind of uh, factor into. But I know this. I know that. Okay. I don't know if I should say this. I know that sometimes there's people who are on award book award committees who don't like to pick the book that everyone thinks should win. I think that that's true. I think that that's a thing. And so if I'm thinking about this book and the award possibilities, um, if there's a committee where there's too many uh, contrarians on the committee, that, that could be a problem. I don't know. Um, I think that it's one of the best picture books of the year. I think she really did some things in this book where it's like she's just sharing her story and sharing herself and right down to the details of the illustrations of of the things and that she's using in the illustrations that tie into her and her history and her family history. It's amazing. Um, so I still would be, I would be very shocked, but I know that there are some folks where it's like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to pick the book that everyone thinks should win. And this book has gotten a lot and a lot of buzz this year. What do you think? Well, I want to know, were you like that in 2014 when you were on the Call the Cock Committee? <laughs> where you're like, no, Locomotive is going to win the Cyber. It can't win the Call the Cock. And then they all talked you into it. Will be. Is that how you were, Travis? That, that's not me. That's not me. I, when, I was on, <laughs> when I was on the Call the Cock Committee, I, um, I really tried my, my best to, to not let those things factor in. To not, I mean, I was reading when I was on the committee. I was, I was reading everything that people were sharing online. I just couldn't not do it. Um, it's just me. And, um, but still, even though there were, you know, um, certain books that got a lot of buzz or whatever, it didn't, 
I'd like to think it didn't hold me back from still recognizing and looking deeply at those books to kind of try to figure out if they were, if they were, um, distinguished. And I think, I think, uh, you know, the rest of my committee did that as well, but, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, uh, and I'm just curious about 2014, and I'm looking at the Goodreads mock Caldecott list from 2014, the year that you were on the Caldecott committee. Yeah. And in the top seven, three of your, four of your books were in the top seven on the Goodreads mock Caldecott. Mm-hmm. Journey, Flora, Mr. Waffles, and Locomotive. Are yeah. those all four? Were those all four of your books? Yes. Wow. So you just went to the Goodreads list. Before you, <laughs> you know, people on Goodreads are really liking this book, yeah. uh, Journey. Uh, guys, Let's take a look at you this. Guys, you guys got in the room and all opened up the Goodreads mock called the list. Oh my I'm gosh! Oh yeah, my I'm, gosh. I'm, I'm, I, I am curious about that. I am curious, and I'm not like saying that that is going to happen or that has happened. I've never been on a committee. I appreciate the work that they do. Um, sometimes it feels like, man, they made a big splash this year. And you wonder if that had anything to do with it. You wonder if what's going on politically and in our world also has right. an effect on that. Right. And I'm, I don't know if it does. I have no idea. Uh, I do know, like as a reader myself, I know it influences me as a reader. Uh, so I really appreciate people trying to not let any biases enter yeah. that room. I bet that it's, it is really hard really, really hard. Um, but yeah, I think Dreamer, like you, Travis, I think it's a special book. I anticipate multiple shiny stickers. Um, I I hope that people on the Caldecott committee would never think, well, this is going to win the Bell Prey, or vice versa, people on the Bell Prey think this is going to be Caldecott, so we should try to to get another book. Um, And I don't don't anticipate that happening. Uh, I anticipate it winning all of the awards. So um, we'll see, though. We'll see. What about about for Newberry? For Newberry. Okay. Now, I put the book that I thought would be, I would be most surprised to not see honored. I went through all of my, all of the books that I read this year. I was really surprised with the one I wrote down. Uh, I thought that I would write down something that's being buzzed about a little bit more. But I went with Oxier's Sweep. And I feel like Oxier is on these lists every single year, Jonathan Oxier. Yep. And I, he was for Night Gardener, for Peter Nimble. He's yep. always one that's talked about. And yep. it's a matter, it's just a matter of time. And it does feel like some of those people that it's just a matter of time have been honored. Yeah. I think a lot of us felt that way with, um, I guess, both Dan, Dan Santat and Matthew Cordell. Like it was just a matter of time before the call, before a Caldecott committee uh, gave them a, an award. And I think it's just a matter of time with Oxier. And yep. I, Sweep was captivating. I know NCTE, they gave it uh, Charlotte Huck and won their Charlotte Huck Award. So I know yep. that a lot of people are loving it. And I would I would be surprised if it isn't at least an honor. Yeah, it's um, it's been showing up on a lot of year-end lists. Um, it won the, oh, uh, the Governor General Award in Canada. I think that's right. Sorry. Sorry, Canada, if I if I said the wrong award, um, and yeah, it is one that I feel like it 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 kind of keeps hanging around, you know. Like I would not be surprised at all to see that, and uh, it's a great book. So 
I think that that would be um, that would be a wonderful pick in on, on Newberry. Yeah. So my and, oh, yeah. go ahead. You went with a name that often calls this creator. It yeah. often gets a call from the Newberry committee, but never yes. the gold, always the silver. Yes, a lot of silvers. Jacqueline Woodson, Harbor Me, um, just a wonderful book. And it does feel like um, it's, it's the right time. It's the right creator. I feel like it's, a, it's, it's just, uh, I, I would be sort of surprised to not see it, not see it get some awards here at the end of the year. Um, I almost feel bad. I almost feel like I'm jinxing her as I'm saying this. <laughs> so I've, I'm, I'm knocking on, I'm knocking on wood right now for you, yeah. Jacqueline Woodson, because you deserve the, the Newberry gold. Um, Jacqueline Woodson is, is like a national treasure. And, um, this book just kind of like re reminds you of that. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I would be a little bit surprised if this if this book didn't didn't get some awards at the end of the year here. Yeah, and it fits. It fits with. It's a beautiful piece of writing. It fits. Yep. It's very timely. It's very timeless as well. Like I think that you know what's happening in this book. You know, these kids sitting in a room together talking and working things out and just kind of figuring life out uh, could be written in twenty years, and the kids would be talking about kind of the same basic truths about life, um, but just maybe yep. with some a little different issues happening in society. So I think that's a great pick. I think that too fits in with one that where I would be shocked that it, if it doesn't win at least something mm-hmm. from ALA, because it's just, yep. yeah, I, I almost feel like how you're jinxing her. I almost feel like for not <laughs> like writing her name down, like I'm taking her for granted. Like, oh, yeah. everyone says Jacqueline Woodson. We always pick her. And, and I hope right. that that doesn't ever come into a committee member's mind. Uh, right. consciously or subconsciously um yeah. and they just ju- judge the books in front of them right Whew. what about um what about dark horse newberry newberry or caldecott possibilities do you have any yeah i love fox and chick by sergio Rousier. is that how you say his last name i tried to say yeah. it fast so no one you could hear me <laughs> no you got it uh i think it's like the funny it's so funny yeah, uh, Fox and Chick. It's just as the classic children's book with two characters, uh, pretty opposite characters, yep. and it, the three stories make me laugh so much. The first one where the the chick throws the party in the bathroom, and yep. I, I just love that. I think that it could be Caldecott. I think it could be Geisel. I think it could. Mm-hmm. I think the writing. Uh, it could be one of those surprising Newberry honor books Ooh. that we kind of sometimes see. Yes, uh, I think it's just perfect and his studio has won some awards because he works in the studio with brian floca and sophie blackall so there's some magic in the water there how about you um dark horse i I don't know i feel like this book's been getting a lot of love here at the end of the year but thank you amu by Mm Age mora um, she's a debut author illustrator and her first picture book is just fantastic and it does have that like beautiful timeless quality. So <clears throat> even though that one's ending up on a lot of uh, best of the year lists, I feel like maybe that that is one that maybe not everyone has mm-hmm. has read yet. Also yeah. Run Wild by David Koval. Okay. Um that book was I love the um the New York Times best illustrated list. Because every year that comes out and there's almost always a couple things on there that I haven't, 
seen or I haven't given a close look at. And that was one of the books that was on the, the New York Times Best Illustrated list this year. And once I saw it, I went back to it and I completely agree. That is such a beautiful book visually. Um, so I would be thrilled to see that get some uh, Caldecott love. Yeah. Is there a book that you're sad you didn't read this year? <laughs> every or, year. Every year. Every year. The, uh, this time of year right now, right be- this break right before um right before the new year is the time when like I have to mourn all the books that I didn't read this year. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes it's really kind of sad. I feel like oh, I should have gotten to more. Um but the the one book that I haven't read yet this year and I feel like it's a crime at this point is The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang, the graphic novel. I haven't read it and yeah, I really so want good. to read it. And and that is one where I know that I'm going to fix that. I'm going to yes. uh I'm going to seek it out and I'm going to read it. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because it was uh, initially it sort of sold as like a YA graphic novel that it sort of flew under my radar or what. I'm hearing a lot of people saying it's not it's gra- it's YA and name only. It really works as a middle grade book as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I have a lot of students who have read it. Um, I do think yeah. that there would be some families that would possibly object to uh, some things in the book. Um, mm. But I, f- in my school, it is being very well received. And yeah. uh, I don't even know where the copy is because it's probably stolen. <laughs> Someone stole yeah. it. It's a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what was, what was your book that you wish you would have read in 2018? The middle grade novel Mercy Suarez Changes Gears by Meg Medina. Yes, yes. And, yeah, same thing. I don't know why I didn't read it. I need to change that. I think I might go with the audio. I think that will be how I kind of catch up on any 2018 novels that I haven't read. Uh, but I yeah. love Meg, and I love her work. And I don't know, like, knowing some of these authors sometimes, too, like, you just know what a great person they are. You know, like, the impact they're having on the world with yeah. their writing, with their speaking, with the things that they're doing. And I just feel like, like, man, she came to nerd camp. I was on a panel with her at NCTE. Like, I feel like a jerk. So yeah. sorry, Meg Medina. I will read your book, and I'm sure I will be happy that I do. Um, what about 2019? So is there something that you're really looking forward to reading in 2019? Yeah, uh, 2019 is looking really good, Travis. I think I've read 10 books, and I think I've given nine of them five stars on Goodreads. Wow. I, I, but, you know, you're very selective at first. You have all of these. We're very mm-hmm. lucky to get some books in advance. And... There's so I've been very selective and I'm just in love with so many books. And the one that I am dying to read, I don't know why I haven't read it. I wanted to read it first, but it's like I, this author doesn't write a lot of books. Um, yeah. She writes maybe a book every three or four years. So I know like when I read it, then I'm, I'm going to have to wait years before I get something else. Uh, Linda Mullally Hunt has a new middle grade novel coming out this year called Shouting in the Rain. Uh, one for the Murphys, I read aloud to my kids this year, and it was they were just captivated, P- cover to cover, every page, every word, many tears, great oh, cool. conversation. And I, uh, another teacher in our building, her favorite book to read aloud is Linda's Fish in a Tree. So yeah, dying to read, shouting in the rain. I know nothing about it. I refuse to read anything about it. I won't even read <laughs> the back. I always read the back. I I'm just gonna open up to page one here sometime over winter break and sink in i'm excited how about you 
there's a few that I'm looking forward to. A couple picture books. Um, Christian Robinson is going to publish his first book that he's authored and illustrated uh, called Another. And I'm really interested in that. That's already gotten uh, at least a at least a starred review from Publishers Weekly or something. Um, and it sounds like a, like a really like a really cool book. Um, Vamos, let's go to the market by Raul the Third. I love Raul the uh, Third. His work on Lowriders in Space is kind of where I first got to know mm-hmm. him, and this is kind of like his first picture book, as far as I know. Um, so I'm really excited to read that. Sweeping Up the Heart by Kevin Henkes. Um, I don't think I need to explain much there. Anytime he comes out with anything, I have to read it. And one book, well, I guess, no, this is not a book that I'm looking forward to reading. This is just a book that I read that comes out in 2019 that I love. Noodlefent by okay. K-Fi Steele and Jacob Kramer, published by Enchanted Lion. It is, it, to me, it's like the picture book you have to read. It okay. is. It is so unexpected, like the way that that story goes and the themes that it hits on. It's sort of a uh, extended picture book. It's probably like double the length of a normal picture book. Okay. And um, it's fantastic. I would recommend everyone reads that one. Cool. Um, I know that Vamos is part of Kwame Alexander's imprint, Versify, mm. which is exciting that those books are coming out. And I think that's part of the first, like, season of books that they're publishing. So really excited for that new imprint in the world. Yeah. What about, um, and do you have any predictions for 2019? Colby. Yes, I do, Travis. I think that we're going <laughs> to find that. I think we're going to find and hear about more authors, traditional authors, writing graphic novels. So we've mm. seen we've seen Shannon Hale do it. Yeah. Jennifer Jennifer Holm has been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I've just been talking at conferences and over orange juices at at restaurants. Uh, to a lot of creators who are working on on uh, graphic novels, and I really? will say that some of them have been on the yarn, and oh. some of them are have won many um, Newbery honors. Um, wow! And some of them are people that you'll just you'll say that's exactly what you'll say when you when you see the announcement someday in Publishers Weekly. Uh, but I think a lot of people are fascinated by this medium. And mm-hmm. they are seeing it being a really cool way to to tell a story. And I think we'll also see uh, illustrators start to move into that as well, who maybe usually do picture books. I've talked to a few that are, are kind of bouncing around some ideas that sound really, really cool. So how about you? Trends in 2019 or something that you think might happen this year? Well, so okay, so you're given like a little bit of inside information here. Like you've, yep. had, con- you're, you, you've had conversations with people where they're saying like, oh yeah, I'm working on a graphic novel, like just a graphic novel, or is it more graphic novel memoirs? It is graphic novels, fiction graphic novels. And the the conversations always end with, but don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Like don't, like don't mention it on your podcast. Don't mention the names on the podcast. Uh, Although I guess we're not mentioning names, so we're, we're safe. That's exciting. Actually, I have no idea who these people are, so I need to talk to you about this. Um, but you can't mention their names to me, so I guess this. I'll just I'll just watch. I'll just wait patiently for the announcements, and then wait patiently, when I Travis. when I see them, I'll say Colby was right. Um, yep. 
2019 trends. Okay. I feel like um, with sort of the political climate, <clears throat> the way it is right now, I, I, I don't know if this is true or not. And other people, ha- I'm not the first person to mention this, but I feel like kind of picture books that have like a little bit more of an overt message um, are, are are being published a little bit more these days. I feel like there was a period of time there where people were sort of message phobic in picture books. Okay. You know, they kind of were, were fighting back against a little bit of like the, the, the general public perception of what a picture book is and how it's supposed to teach a good lesson and that kind of thing. Um, but I do feel like in the last last two years, especially and moving forward, um, that there, there are more books where they're kind of unabashedly um, uh, sharing a message, whether that message is kindness or standing up for what you believe in. Um, and I, I feel like that is something that is going to, um, kind of continue on here. Um, I don't, I don't really know that. I don't really have a whole lot to go on that other than just kind of watching what's been published in 2018, but that's a kind of a trend, I guess, to keep your eye on. So no one's like sitting down with you saying, man, I'm really working on this book with an overt message. (laughs) No, no, uh, no. Okay. Let me know if they do. Okay. Um, so the last question, Travis, Yeah. is who would you like to see on the yarn in 2019? Oh, this is great. There's so many good, good people. There's so many f- wonderful people that we've had a chance to talk to. Like a couple of years ago when you asked me to do the, this podcast, um, I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just so happy that you asked, and I'm so happy that we've had a chance to do this the last couple of years because we've had so much fun talking to so many different wonderful book creators that um, that it's just been like a really meaningful thing for me. So thank you. Uh, the the people that I would like to talk to this year, I would really like to talk to Celia Perez author of first rule of punk she's been on the show before she was on Mm -hmm. a panel and but i would really like to talk to her in like uh, as a solo episode um i know that she's working on her next book right now so maybe uh maybe down the road there will be a good opportunity to do that but um i just really get along with her well and i think that that would be a fun episode i also would really love to have phil and aaron stead on the show and I think they, I think they would be open to doing it. Um, Phil, Phil wrote the theme song for the yarn after all, so I feel like he would be up for for being on the show sometime, and and Aaron too. Um. <laughs> so, do you, so Phil would want to do it, and Aaron would do it, is what you're saying. I think they would both be up for it. I really do. <laughs> I really do. So I, I don't know how the, the theme song thing was interesting. I don't know how that came about. Because initially when we first started the podcast, we had the theme song. And it was kind of like mm-hmm. this sort of piano ditty that was sort of sort of exciting. And then, I don't know, along the way, somehow we were like, we need we should have like a theme song that's like just our own. Because mm-hmm. the, 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 the piano thing was we had, we had downloaded, you know, we had taken from... Um, like a like a free podcast music website or something. So so it maybe felt a little bit more generic. And then I don't know how the idea came. We knew that Phil Stead 
um, was a good musician. I, I think I knew that because he had, he had given music to like, um, to Matthew Cordell's book trailer way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just decided to ask, um, is that how you remember it? And we yeah, just asked and then, him and, yep. And we tried to pay him and he wouldn't take payment. So yep. he worked out a, we figured out, um, a charity that he supports the eight yes, to book, six, eight to six Michigan writing programs for student writing in Ann Arbor. And we sent them some money, I believe. Good, good musician. Good guy. Yeah, he would be, really. Uh, it would be wonderful to have him on the show. Um, also, Jacqueline Woodson, of course. Yeah, I think that that would be amazing, and I would be really nervous. So you can do that one. I would be, be really cool. nervous. So I was thinking, I was hoping you could do that one because I would be nervous. That would be a fun live one because then I oh. feel like those are nerve wracking, but you don't have any. You can't like act nervous. You just have to just own it. So. You know what we need it's, to do is we need to we need to set up a an ALA an ALA annual event with Jacqueline Woodson and the yarn, right? Yep. Yep, but I, I think we go big though. Not even the pop top stage, Travis. I think we rent, <laughs> I think I think we talk to Trevor from Penguin. I think we he rents out a theater, like a like an old theater. That and, would be cool. And we have like you know, something, some other stuff that are going on that night. And they, she caps it off with, you know, we're all sitting in like nice chairs. Nice chairs is stage. key. Yep. Yeah. And stools, padded stool, padded stools. Padded stools. I think that that would be amazing. So you, you let me know how that goes. I will show up <laughs> for that episode. That would be really fun. Uh, ALA annual is in, is in Washington, D.C. this year. Yeah. So maybe we could do it at like a cool, I'm sure there's, oh, wasn't there like a, there's lots of theaters there. I'm sure. I was thinking the the theater that Lincoln was shot at, but that's. Oh my God, no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I don't know why that came to mind, but I'm sure there are theaters there. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's work on that. Let's talk to Trevor. We'll talk to Trevor. Yes. Yes. Um, Who would you like to see on the show? So I have one for 2022 and then I'll come back to 2019. Do you think the show will be around in 2022? We'll <laughs> I know you don't because, like to commit. This is not like a oh my contract. Gosh. This is just a like, what do you think? A couple more, a uh, few more years? Um, Here's a better be thing a- to say. I okay. think I, if, if we decide to end it in 2022, I know the perfect book to end it on. What? This is terrible. This you know is a, a book story. coming out in 2022? This is a story. Sierra. By John Shu, illustrated by Lauren Castillo. Oh, yes. So I'm not saying we should end in 2022. I'm not like okay. promoting the demise of the yarn. But if we make it that long, Travis, that is the must-have episode. Lauren's been on the show before. Yeah. But, you know, we were all four of us were born in 1981. And I think it yes. would be really fun. We'll be that really be old. Fun. We'll be kind of older then. But, you know, maybe podcast will still be around. Let's hope. Um, uh, for t- go ahead for 2019 uh andrew smith he is entering the yes. middle grade world with the size of the truth he is my yes. wife's favorite author he and is awesome i had pat we've had patrick ness on the show before and that is another one of my wife's favorite authors yeah uh, so i don't know travis does allison your wife listen to the show occasionally now who <laughs> so it's fun to think of like who like is there anyone that we could have on the show that would make her listen? 
Oh. Well, See, her like her one of her favorites is Kate DiCamillo. So Kate DiCamillo has been on okay. the show, and she and she's listened to those episodes and really liked those. So more importantly, then the follow up to that: Did she listen to the Travis Yonker episode of The Yarn? No. <laughs> we were actually <laughs> we were just talking about that today for some reason, because someone had mentioned to her that they had listened to the episode, and. And I said, and she, and she said, I haven't listened to that yet. And and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. She said yet, like, like she's like, she was yeah. planning on it, but she's just been busy. Yeah. She kind of, she kind of dips in and out, which is great, think, which is great. I think that's perfect. So Travis first yeah. ever broadcast thoughts, broadcast thoughts. Um, well, we're at the one hour and nine minute mark right now. Which most this episodes is, are about nine minutes. So this is like, yeah, like by a factor of, of 10, our normal length of our episode. Uh, but this was fun, man. It was fun to talk to you and fun to hear like like what you thought about the year in, in kids books. Honestly, I had a good time. Yeah, it was fun. If you're listening and you made it all the way to the end, thank you so much for, for listening to The Yarn, for helping us to... Uh, want to keep making this when people listen it definitely helps us when we're editing to know that people are going to hear it and hopefully get something out of it if you ever have someone who you would like to hear on the show please 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 email us the yarn podcast at gmail.com we've had probably 15 or 20 of our 80-ish episodes have come from viewer suggestions listener suggestions so so please keep helping us know who you want to hear travis and i can't read all of the books we can't know all of the creators so let us know. Uh, Travis, final thoughts. Check on your kids. Make sure they're doing okay. Oh, yeah. We're going to go play some, some Mario, some Smash <laughs> something Mario, the new game. So thank you, Travis. Have a Merry Christmas, and I will chat with you soon. You too. We'll talk to you later.